unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Okay, so once again, you can have the greatest product, the greatest headline, the greatest targeting, the greatest offer, the greatest price, Hmm. but you know it's going to torpedo your entire promotion in a New York minute? It's if your prospect doesn't believe you. Mm -hmm. We covered one aspect of believability last week, but we have some fresh tips today because believability is the pass-fail test every ad must pass in order to work period. But that's not the end of the story. In today's Old Master series, we draw on the considerable wisdom of the great John Caples in a new book I just found out about. Unlike the classic Caples work tested advertising methods, this book is readily available on Amazon for the low, low price of $8.86. And the Kindle is even cheaper. It's called Making Ads Pay, and it's worth far more than the asking price. In this book, Cables has a whole chapter on making ads believable. We're going to talk more about that today. Now I've got something to tell you that is totally believable. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast, and most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Mm. So, Nathan, you remember last week we talked about how specifics can add believability to everything you write? And we went into, yeah? I was going to say, how could I forget Oh, yeah. How can you forget? Exactly. And we went into quite a bit of detail, pardon the expression. And it was a great episode. But the fact is, in the same chapter on believability, which is just one chapter in this book, John Caples has nine additional major points. And we're going to cover three of those points again in some detail, pardon the expression, today. Now, this is important. I spend a lot of time looking at copy and looking at social media and writing on social media, I see people screw up on believability all the time. Mm. And it's a shame. And here's why. Often they have something important to say, but you know it's not going to stick if it's not believable. It's just like, oh, yeah, next, click, right? Mm -hmm. So with the help of the late, great old master, John Caples, today, we are, again, going to make our effort to change that. And any thoughts on the overall issue of believability and the lack of believability in too much of what you see? Yeah, I think that scams run rampant nowadays, especially in the age of the Internet. And a lot of people who have actually decent offers that they can deliver on, they get caught up in the hypey, copywriting that scammers use. And so a lot of times prospects that could actually be helped by what they have to offer, see that and immediately put their offer into the category of scam. So this is something that I think copywriters, especially ones that listen to this show and have a valid offer need to be aware of. 
Yeah, and I mean, we're going to get into some other stuff besides what I'm about to say. But basically, when you make a huge claim and you don't prove it, you don't give any substantial reason why it's true, it's hype. Mm -hmm. But a big promise with lots of proof is no longer hype. So proof or just even sometimes a simple explanation of of why why something is so why you're promising this kind of capacity capability that alone can add to believability but but yeah so i i agree with you all right we got a few other things though and this these are so basic but people miss them especially especially with ai especially with dolly and um i forget some of the other ais that create art and you create something fantasy that works really well in art. It works, you know, well, to a degree, it works in movies, cartoons, video games. But again, even there. So this first point, you use realism in copy and art. I, I remember talking with a pretty successful, not super well-known Hollywood consultant. And he said, if you're going to have science fiction, you can have one thing that's weird, but everything else seems to be needs to be normal in order for it to be believable. That's realism. Cables gives some familiar, very important advice in the book, like use testimonials that sound like they were written by real people, even if the grammar sounds a bit awkward. And sometimes, you know, we're trying to look so professional and so perfect that will clean stuff up and will take the realism out of it. That just hurts us. And in showing pictures, I love this one. This, this is like a friend of mine said, in Hollywood, they're phonies, but they're real phonies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she was kind of cynical. But she was kind of right, too. In showing <laughs> pictures of people, use models that don't look like models. Okay? Mm -hmm. Think about that. Now, one thing he didn't say, but that's probably because the book was written in 1957, is if you're using emus, they should look like emus, right? Again with the emus. <laughs> yes, liberty, liberty. Along the lines of what Capel said, here are some more tips we've come up with using realism in copy and art. And this first one sounds simple. Uh, what I've found when I'm mentoring copywriters is this is one of the last skills that comes in. I don't know why it's so hard, but it is. But it's worth striving for, getting help with. Well, it's use a conversational tone in copy. I mean, sometimes the best thing to do is to talk to a friend about what you're doing, maybe over Zoom, transcribe the recording. Well, you want to record it, of course. Transcribe the recording and look at how you say it as opposed to how you write it conversational tone needs to be like a real conversation colloquial and cliches you know if if you're worried about not sounding professional enough that's kind of like the wrong way to look at it you want it to sound authentic enough and people do talk in broken sentences and you know they use cliches and they use simple words and maybe not the most professional scientific you know MBA words, but just real, real person words, if it's in tune with your market. Now, you know, if you're writing to 
software developers, you don't want to say, well, when you turn the computer, you know, you, you, you want to use the same language they use. So, you know, when you boot up, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in addition to talking your pitch out loud, read your copy out loud to see if it sounds authentic. Now this one, I think, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, th this one I think is is something you might have a, a lot to say about because you know you're an illustrator and an artist as well as a marketer and a copywriter. But what Cable says is use images like a news photograph. No, this is not what Cable says. This is what we're saying. <laughs> but this kind of comes from his idea, not like a studio shot with Photoshop enhancements. I think he talked about airbrushing and stuff like that. So don't use post pictures. Or if the person's posing, they need to pose in a way that it doesn't seem posed. Let's put it that way. You want to go for real life situations prospects can relate to, and they don't need to look too perfect. I mean, they don't need to be so out of focus. You can't see what's going on. They don't need to be out of focus at all, but it, it doesn't, it, it shouldn't look like it's a studio done in a studio with the three lights and, and just the, the perfect everything, right? <laughs> Yeah, so my thought on this, the first point, especially when it comes to emails, conversationally written emails, emails with a couple of typos in them, emails with maybe not the perfect grammar, always work better because that's what people are used to. That's what people are comfortable with when it comes to emails. I don't expect when you send me an email, David, for it to be perfectly grammatically correct. I wouldn't look down on you if there was a typo in it. I'd just be like, oh, David sent me an email real quick. The other point about the Photoshop enhancements, I have noticed that when it comes to video advertising on things like YouTube and Instagram and TikTok, those kind of rough cut videos that feel just like regular content. Oh my gosh, you guys, I found this thing at my local five below and you're not going to believe what it does. Check this out. It does this, 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 and this. If you want to learn more, you can go over to their website. I found it over at whatever, whatever. That type of just kind of raw shot from an iPhone content works great. And so it, it goes straight to the point that you're saying it adds believability because it doesn't look overly produced, overly polished. Yeah. And let's talk about where the tension or the pull comes from to make things look perfect and so forth. And, and that is Madison Avenue, Michigan Avenue in Chicago, Financial District in San Francisco, the Advertising District of Los Angeles. I mean, wherever the big agencies are, a lot of them and, and the corporate boardrooms, you know, uh, a lot of them think it, it just needs to be just so. And maybe, maybe the rules are different when you're selling a breakfast cereal or, you know, a, a chainsaw. I don't know on, on TV, but for what we do, the more, the more it seems authentic and unpolished, the better. Mm -hmm. All right. So a third way to use realism in copy and art is to give a little insider info. Now, if you're in the financial industry, we're not talking about insider trading, let's not do anything like that, but give a little insider info to give your prospect the feeling that they really know what's going on. So saying, we, we were sitting around the company and somebody spilled the coffee all over the table and mm -hmm. you know someone else started screaming at him and that was a great way to start a meeting, but 
after we got it cleaned up, we realized, and you know, so something as uh, you know that that they're going to feel like they're in the inside. They're they're kind of getting info. Also, this is a kind of a mechanism thing, but it doesn't need to necessarily be the formal mechanism part of your copy. Just explain how the product works, maybe a little origin story about how you invented it or developed it. This kind of transparency where you're opening up, you know, past the formal stance of an official company, this kind of informal transparency connects customers to the human side of your business. And that increases believability and that increases sales. I think also it makes it more real and a big part of believability is I need it to be real. So giving me a little bit of insight about what goes on behind the scenes or a little bit of insight about here's how the trick of this works. All of a sudden it makes it more real to me, which makes it more, you're asking less of me to, to make the decision to say yes, because now I know this is real. I, I'm having trouble kind of fleshing this out. No, I, I understand if you want to buy it, but you're having trouble believing it's real you should get some help from the copywriter, from the advertiser, from the marketer. You shouldn't have to do that work because you're the one that's paying them. Yeah, I, I get you. Okay, perfect. That's what you mean, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, so here's the second main point. Give proof of, prop, of popularity. Now, here's some old school examples from the 1950s. This is before the internet. This is before the equality gender issues, all, all those things. But okay, but this is, this, these are his examples. At the best stores everywhere, more mothers depend on it. 18,000 letters from satisfied customers. I'm sure you can find lots of ways to pick those apart, but you get the general idea. Meanwhile, back in 2024, where so much of our business life and social life is on the internet, Talk about how many users or a sales ranking. I mean, these two words, Amazon bestseller, mm. they have credentialized me or my book, at least in, in other podcasts. And yes, occasionally there are other podcasts besides copywriters podcasts. <laughs> the best ones to listen to are the ones that I'm on or Nathan's on. But yeah, when they say that, or, you know, it, it could be any number of other websites where, where they have rankings. So, Guy named Noah Barron. I, I may have mentioned him before. He did some. He was in a a mastermind group that I spoke to about the, the persuasion story code. He was an inventor. He was very uncomfortable doing an origin story because it wasn't his strength. But once he got it together, he found another filmmaker named Noah Barron as well, a good guy, and they put together a a really interesting video for him about his product, the Tilt hydrometer, which is a very safe way of measuring fermentation for home beer brewers. Okay. In the video, he says tens of thousands of units sold. Now, he really has sold tens of thousands of units, but wow, just that phrase indicates a lot of popularity. And if you have a physical product and a warehouse or a factory or whatever, and you've so sold out even more than once, you know, not only does that imply there may be scarcity, but it certainly indicates popularity. The other thing that yeah. this does is, 
as well as making it believable, it makes it feel safe. If a bunch of other people have done it, if the rest of the tribe has done it and they returned safely, it's okay for me to do it as well. Great point. I hadn't thought of that. I'm glad you did. That's a great point. All right. Here's another part of proof of popularity. Talk about or show user reviews and ratings. You know, if you have 50 reviews of your book, like I do, on Amazon, the number of reviews builds a lot of social proof, right? A screenshot. I mean, Amazon tells you how many reviews. And of course, Amazon sells a lot more than books. And and I'll look at that when I'm thinking of buying something I don't know anything about. I'll look at the number of reviews and the average star rating. So it's not just an ad. I mean, th- again, this is coming right out of real life, but that's effective. And sample reviews from a site like Trustpilot, that can, that can add to believability too. I mean, reviews and testimonials, well, there's a difference. A review is like placed in a format on a third-party site, like Amazon or any number of sites. Amazon just comes to mind right now. But yeah, I mean, the quantity of reviews, that indicates, because while technically you don't have to buy the product to review it, most people do. I like to make a that's what she said page. And it's just a page on the website that's tons of reviews, all the positive and uh, great things that 20, 30, 40 people had to say about the product. And when somebody Mm -hmm. joins my client's email list, one of the first emails that they get is, hey, I I do, that's what she said, emails. So-and-so said this, this, and this about the product. They're not the only one singing the praises. Go here and check out all the stuff that people have to say. And then a small... Uh, call to action at the bottom of the page, learn more, and then that sends them to the sales page. And that simple step of just sending people to a page full of reviews and ratings converts like gangbusters. Okay, that was a $647 tip right there. So <laughs> if you need to rewind the podcast and listen again, because it's worth more than that, but that's maybe a fair market value. All right, yeah, thank you. That's really good. Point three of this you know, popularity, proof of popularity category, display social media contents. These are not necessarily product reviews. These are just things people say, user-generated content mm-hmm. from from social media. I mean, again, um, to beat a dead horse, people are, you know, one, one story guru on LinkedIn mentioned his favorite storytelling books, and mine wasn't in the list. And one of my fans went up there and said, yeah, and you should also check out, he said, Persuasion Story Code, and he also said Wired for Story by Lisa Crone. So uh, user-generated content, I mean, that seems like maybe the most credible kind of proof of popularity at all. And, and, and screenshots of this work very well. Now, hopefully as a wise and discerning listener, reviewer, the copywriters podcast, this doesn't apply to you, but for too many people, social media is seen as dangerously seen as the same as the real world. It's not, but you can use this belief to your advantage in demonstrating social proof. Anything about social media? Wait, you're saying 12 angry weirdos on Twitter aren't an accurate representation of the population? Well, I didn't, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> okay, let's continue. All right. So the third one is repeat important points. 
this should seem obvious, except some of us have had teachers in school or parents who said, well, I already heard that. Shut up. Or you, how many times are you going to keep saying that? Right. And, you know, but you're not with your parents or, or your teachers anymore. Now you're with customers who are not listening to every word all the time and aren't looking for things to criticize you about, at least not most of them. So repeat important points. Caples has an unusual source in this part of the book. It's Lewis Carroll, the guy who wrote Alice in Wonderland. Mm -hmm. And Caples has a quote from a fantasy poem by the same author called The Hunting of Snark. And here is what he points to from the poem, quoting the words of a character called the Bellman. Just the place for a snark. I've said it twice. That alone should encourage the crew. Just the place for a snark. I've said it thrice. What I tell you three times is true. Well, just as someone says saying three times doesn't mean it's true, but it does tend to be absorbed that way. And of course, Cables gives some real life examples, and we've adapted some of his other advice into these tips. Here are different ways to repeat yourself. You can use the same words in different parts of your copy. You can use a key benefit you mentioned in your headline or lead to introduce your offer and again in your close. And if you're worried about that critic in your head saying, don't repeat yourself, be concise. Remember, people skim. Some people go right for the bullets, like you, Nathan. Mm -hmm. Others go right to the offer. They want to know the price. So by repeating an important point, hopefully a concise one, word for word, you increase the chance that it will be seen. By the same token, some people read every word, but a message doesn't always sink in the first time they read it. They might have like a bullshit detector or a resistance shield up. So repeating the message definitely softens that resistance and increases the chance that they'll get it by the third time they they see it. So that that's one way of doing it. Have you ever done that? Do you ever like find a phrase and, and repeat it? I do, and I'm gonna get woo here. There's something that the human mind finds very special about the number three. And mm. Once something is repeated three times, it does have more believable be believability behind it. I don't know why. I don't have a theory about it, but I know it's true. That works for me. I like <laughs> okay. that. I, I, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it, it has to do with um, the rotation of the earth because there's <laughs> three parts of a day, morning, noon, and night. Maybe. The, okay. The, there's, there's something to it. Three is the magical um, number. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, I don't have an explanation either, but I agree with you. All right, the second, and, and actually, we've just, we just kind of did it, dramatize the same point in a testimonial or a story. Mm -hmm. So one fault with a lot of testimonials is they're not really relevant to your offer or benefits. Make it a point to get testimonials that show the same benefit that cover the same ground in a conversational recap of the customer's experience that you're making as your big promise or your claim. And also remember this, people take information in, in different ways. Some people get it through direct statements. Others get it more easily in story form. Some people take it in through numbers. Some people like to see a graph or a picture. So 
appeal to all those different modalities. And the other thing is, if you have a graphic showing a process or a sequence in a simplified, easy to understand form, and the graphic backs up a main important point, you know, like turns lead into gold in three easy steps, <laughs> then this will reach a, a more visual reader better. I didn't know that we were promoting our alchemy course in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the advertising alchemist speaks. Okay, and finally, always have a recap. People actually like recaps. They've just, if, if you've done a good job, you've gotten them in an emotionally excited state and maybe their their critical brain, their list-making analytical capabilities are not at their peak. So they like a recap, and a recap gives you a perfect excuse to pound home your main points. Mm -hmm. The thing about a recap is don't do it like this. Do it at a brisk pace. Short mm -hmm. sentences, short words, action verbs, not many adjectives. And think of a recap as pulling everything together so as to increase the chance that your prospect is motivated to take action. We've talked before about how at the end of the sales letter, it's important to increase the cadence, the pace, when we're getting ready to ask somebody to take action, to get them in a, in a forward momentum way of thinking, kind of pacing the way that, that their emotional state, the roller coaster that they went on goes, I think that's perfect. The other thing that I wanted to add to this is the way that we laid out, the way that you laid out this episode is three examples. Each example has three points and it kind of follows the, the rule of just basic writing, you, you make your hypothesis, then you give your evidence for it, and then you recap and say, okay, and so now that you understand this, this is why. So again, that number three, it does, it does have some sort of, we like it. We like when things are structured that way. So we proved it in this episode. And to take our own advice, let's go ahead and do a recap for this episode. <laughs> Yes, and how many points do you think there will be in the recap, Nathan? <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> All right. Number one, use realism in copy and art. Keep it real. The more real, the more authentic it comes across as. And the more authentic, the more believable. Mm. Number two, give proof of popularity. Remember, we humans are herd animals. Except for you and me, of course, we're independent individuals, but in general, people like to go with the crowd. So show your prospects how big the crowd already is. Mm. And three, repeat important points. Dale Carnegie originated the saying, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and tell them what you told them. That's the idea here. There are many direct and indirect ways to do this as we covered already and once again the book is making ads pay by john capels and i think we're going to put a link to it on amazon in the we show will notes. we'll have it in the show notes to get the show notes and all of the previous episodes this was episode 355 david so we got 354 other episodes of Copywriters Podcast available for you to consume over at copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later.
Are you getting tired of using the hero's journey in your sales copy over and over again? My book, The Persuasion Story Code, will help you put together stories that convince your prospects and resolve their objections. If you are a copywriter, you'll appreciate that every single one of the 25 kinds of stories in this book have been proven time and time again in profitable sales copy. But I've also used these kinds of stories to close five and six figure deals for my own business and so have many of my clients. These stories are easy to create and easy to tell. They sound like ordinary conversation, but they are all designed and proven to lead to a yes. You can get the Persuasion Story Code on Amazon.com. So get your copy today. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.